This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Batter Up Podcast. My name is Will Pelagic. Willie P here from 92.9 The Game alongside Caleb Johnson and Joe Patrick. We are your home for the Atlanta Braves, a Radio.com exclusive podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Willie P Style. You can follow Joe at JAPatrick200. And you can follow Caleb at ATLJohnson18. Uh, kind of picking up where we left off last time, guys. Uh, we ended in a rather weird place. Uh, we were talking more about food and usual. Apart- apartment living and all these things that uh, are away from the game. The Cast my Iron question, Chronicles? My, my, my question to you is, what have you guys been cooking since we last spoke? Uh, I had a nice bowl of ramen for lunch. It was delicious. And anyone who <laughs> hates on ramen because it only costs like 12 cents per package or whatever um, can get out of here because ramen is awesome. And it's uh, so here's the thing about ramen. You have to buy the ones that have the least amount of like English language words <laughs> yes. on them. That's yeah. like that, like I don't know what I'm eating to be honest right now, but I just know that it's very delicious. Why do people hate on ramen? I've never I heard I people think, hate I think, on ramen. I think ramen. people just dismiss it because it's so incredibly cheap and affordable and delicious. But it may, because it's so cheap, people are like, eh, ramen. You know, it's kind of like spam or something. Spam well, is I've, bad. It's usually one of those foods that they throw it and say like it's you know what you eat in college. Right. You know, when you're when you're broke and have no money, money, you know, you go buy the the fifty count of the top ramen from you know Kroger or whatever. Bro- broke and no money. That's that that's us now. So like, right? How, yeah. How, how does COVID back back to college days? Yeah. <laughs> how, how 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 does that uh, again? I, I've graduated to some of the you know the ramen like restaurant places like the the ramen bowl places. Those are. Those are really cool, and the fact that they have capitalized on that and turned ramen into a quote designer food—that's <laughs> the—that's the biggest freaking coup in the history of food, for sure. I I actually had a like a a million dollar idea. You know, when you think of these things, sometimes whether it's food or like a, re- a certain type of restaurant or whatever, uh, and I guess this is actually already a thing that happened, so it's I'm not going to be able to uh, profit off of this at all. But I've always thought that. You can make a freaking amazing, huge chain of restaurants that does ramen that is basically to set up like a Chipotle. And you can like oh, choose yeah. your broth, okay. choose your toppings, all that kind of stuff. It's very easy to make. You can take it on the go. It's pretty easy to... You could actually just like put it in a cup and like drink it and just like eat the noodles and drink the broth at the same time. Um, convenient. Delicious. It's a great. It's just a great meal. I... Uh... I went a step further than ramen. Uh, I made my world-famous baked ziti on Sunday. I don't know if you guys saw that on uh, 
Yeah, I told you you've been watching too much Sopranos. Yeah. yeah stir the gravy. Dude, well, all right. Also, <laughs> I love the fact that you're like, I don't know if you guys saw it. You know, I just happened to throw it in the group chat and made sure you saw it as I was going step-by-step process. Yes, we saw it. Yes, it looked delicious. <laughs> and it, yeah, it added a little something extra because I, I just started the Sopranos like last week and I've, I've made it through a full season. So Had seeing... you watched it before? No, never have. It's so damn fascinating, man. I can't. I there's no better character in my mind created in American television than Tony Soprano. The it, internal conflict with that guy is just otherworldly. It's interesting, but it's also very fitting to the late '90s, early 2000s, and it's. I love going back and like because I watched The Wire uh, probably a few months ago, and went all the way through, and it was like, wow, just how far we've come from. <laughs> Where I used to think like, oh, 2000 was just a couple years ago, and now that's 20 years ago, and so it's just, yeah, it's strange to to see those shows and just how people went about their normal business to where we are now. But it's it's a fun little like just going back in time. What's, Did you guys? What's go what's, ahead, Joe. what's well, what's great about The Sopranos is that it's really like a comedy, but yeah. it, but but it's but it has these very obviously heavy and dramatic things that happen plot lines and obviously and just general themes but it's like funny and that's what separates it from the wire for me just in terms of being different i still prefer the wire over the two but um it has like this like comic element to that kind of goes throughout everything the one thing i a buddy of mine uh who hadn't ever watched it uh and is watching it for the first time said he didn't realize that the the psychiatrist had such a big role like that that's something that i think people who don't watch the sopranos they they realize that that part of it and the mental health part of it actually have a pretty big role in that show a real centralized role and and that part of it i don't think is something that if you haven't watched it people uh immediately realize yeah i definitely thought like it was just you know, mob crime kind of show. I didn't know how much the psychiatrist was a part of it. Also, it is really fascinating to see how much we've evolved in 20 years when it comes to mental health and how we deal with it. Because, <laughs> wow, were they ever, like, horrible with how, like, just, just the fact that they wanted to, you know, essentially off Tony Soprano because he was going to a psychiatrist in the right, first yeah. place. <laughs> like, just like, wow, okay. Sign of weakness. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, I am very thankful to be living in, in 2020, kind of where we are now. Kind of going back to the food thing that we were talking about earlier, I dabbled into something that actually worked out really well. Um, a lot of businesses, I know like Waffle House uh, and Longhorn specifically are the two that I was aware of are like selling their own meat so you can go cook it yourself wow that's Uh, brilliant yeah and so this past week um i am a little unfamiliar you know i I haven't stepped off too much into the to like grilling my own steaks and things of that nature um obviously for reasons we talked about last week with you know being in an apartment that kind of thing well i uh i went over to my parents and on before I went there, I grabbed some uh, some Longhorn steaks, and nice. and we seasoned them up ourselves, and uh, and cooked them to a good um, medium temperature, uh, and it and they were like really good. I got the best, and I don't know if uh, if my mom said this because 
I cooked them because I'm her son or because she actually believed this, but she was like, ooh, this tasted better than it does at Longhorns. And I was like, yep, that's all you had to say. That wow. is all you had to say. Mom is trying to score some points. Right. Mama, Mama Johnson is. Yep, for sure. That's crazy. I've heard of a couple of restaurants doing that, you know, like take and make your own. Uh, I think a couple of the local bars and restaurants are doing that here in uh, in Midtown. I think I heard the Palm is doing that too. Uh, the The inspiration for the big ziti, didn't come from me watching The Sopranos, ironically, Joe. It was it was more I've I've gotten myself into a bit of a, a YouTube rabbit hole with this one. Uh, I guess he's a, a YouTube recipe guy. His name is Pasquale Siriapa. Hmm. Never and heard he of does, him. And I'm very and he, into the YouTube food game. So he go is, on. He's got a Facebook page too, and does Facebook lives and stuff like that too. And he's uh, I think he's like 75, 80 years old, and he lives in Jersey. And he's full-blown Italian. He's from Osara. And he has all these amazing recipes. Like, I was thinking of you the other day, Joe, because uh, you did on uh, Twitter, you did the the Ali Olio recipe. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Which <laughs> is, like, the greatest food, like, the greatest cheap food it's thing like when it comes to Three spaghetti. ingredients. Yeah. Three ingredients. Olive oil, huh. garlic, and spaghetti. I, my mother used to make that for me all the time whenever I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So easy. So delicious. I grew up with a different life then. <laughs> well, like I never, my mom never made that for me. That was never a thing for me. I just found it on YouTube somewhere one day. I think it was uh, Kenji Lopez Alt was the first one I saw making that. The be- the best though with him, this, this guy, this guy Pasquale, is that he has this this very deep Italian accent, and all he always begins every video is like, "Hello, everybody! Today uh, we make a nice." <laughs> Today we make a nice dish. We make uh, spaghetti See, carbonara. See, I trust that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. I, you yeah. know, like, like if I'm going to, yeah. He has yeah, instant credibility. Instant credibility right away. And uh, and he had this big ZD recipe that he did on Facebook Live last week. And I was like, I'm doing that. And so I got the, you know, got went went out Saturday, got the two big tubs of forgotten cheese and uh, – Two well, pounds of ziti, two uh, two big pans, and made my own sauce. The whole bit. I knew it t- would taste good because when you sent it over, I could only hear it, and just the way it sounded when you stirred it, it was like that. It was like the glooping, like the you know, just like beautiful sound. And a lot of times too, usually I have to because I'm not a really big chunky sauce guy. A lot of times I have to go in with the hand blender and oh. uh, and and immersion blend it. Yeah. But that that sauce broke down so much. I didn't even have to touch it other than just stirring it. It was amazing. San Marzano tomatoes. That's the that's the key. You got to use the meaty San Marzano tomatoes. Huh. But uh, the more you know. That's exactly it. We'll 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 get you there, Caleb. We'll we'll, we'll graduate you to uh to to the Italian uh <laughs> Italian way of thinking. Uh, drastically transitioning to uh, where we're at right now in terms of baseball, we are no different or in no different a place than we were a week ago when we last chatted, guys, because of the fact that uh, we still don't have baseball, we don't have a date set. Uh, and I also think that some of the other leagues have conti- continued to kind of kick the can down the road, not in a pejorative manner, but just because uh, they still don't know when they will be able to resume having events, whether they'll have fans or not. The, I guess, target for some of these leagues is mid-June. That's where the PGA Tour is looking at right now and having tournaments without fans. And MLS is looking at something similar as well. Still nothing from football, baseball, or basketball in terms of a resumption of play. My, my question to you guys before we get into some of the financial things is, you know, 
where do you think we stand now in terms of having a season if, of any sort right now when it comes to baseball? I'm still hopeful. I mean, nobody knows, right? But like MLS, I think there were rumors that league uh, last week that they could resume or that they were kind of targeting a mid to late June um, resuming of the league in, in some form or another. It probably would not be all of the games, uh, but obviously there are less games and more calendar dates for them to do something like that. You know, obviously we're not going to we're not going to get something that resembles what a normal baseball season would look like, but I, I, I just I just find it hard to imagine that there won't be something done to be able to bring in some sort of revenue in some form or fashion. Call me a skeptic, but I I still stand kind of where we left off last week, where um, I don't know that we have enough testing or whether we're going to get enough testing. Um, also, we're obviously still waiting on a vaccine. So with those things still left up in the air, I'm a little confused, or not little, I'm a lot of confused how we're, we're setting dates without those questions being answered like like it kind of seems like we're just arbitrarily looking and being like you know what it would make sense if four weeks from now we're better off than we are now and it's like well hopefully that's the case but we honestly don't know and so maybe uh we should stop with the with the dates i think we kind of talked about that before on Mm -hmm. here is is you know let's just let let's stop with the dates and you know let these um you know let these major league teams kind of figure things out amongst themselves along with their um with their players association so that we can get something going rather than getting people's hopes up and coming up short well the other part and and we've talked about this in a couple of other podcasts but I feel like a lot of the decision is out of the hands of the commissioners like it's being put in the hands of of government leaders, uh, governors, and and the president, and things of that nature. So, my my fear is that one of these leagues is going to go rogue and say, you know what, we need to we need to make money. We need to do something. And uh, Caleb, you pointed us to the article that took place in Forbes, where even if they started the season on the fourth of July, the Braves would be operating at around a $60 million loss when it comes to uh, expected revenue that they would have gotten during the 2020 season. Put that, in fact, also in concert with the fact that, you know, there are teams, obviously, that that don't operate with a surplus and don't operate with uh, the ability to create profit as easily because of the fact that we've had an attendance problem in the sport for the last couple of years and things of that nature. Granted, uh, prosperity is is at least before the pandemic was at a was at a high for baseball they were seeing a lot of renewed growth but uh the fact that even a july 4th start which again is still skeptical at best right now uh the braves would be offer we'd be operating from a significant uh, downturn right there i i still have to think that even with that you know everybody's going to be operating under the assumption that there will be major losses this season I think that the Braves are actually relatively well positioned for something like this because of the fact that they don't have a ton of like long-term big mega contracts that they had signed. Like if you think about the Twins having just gone kind of 
above and beyond to go grab Josh Donaldson or the huge contract that Garrett Cole just signed with the Yankees. Like all there, there isn't that long mega deal. And obviously those two contracts in particular are not kind of the same, the same thing. But I think you guys get my point that there's not like this, like huge burden that is now going to kind of pull the, the, the franchise down as far as the, the budget is concerned. Uh, you know, you've got some long-term contracts in terms of uh, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, but those are very, very, very team-friendly deals. So I think that, that those will always be team-friendly deals, no matter what economic kind of circumstance we're under. I just, I just, I, I feel kind of optimistic about the Braves. Not, not just, not this season, but just kind of forecasting down the line a few years. You know, you've got a, you've got a Freddie Freeman contract. You're going to have to negotiate. You might get that at a discount now. Now, every, of course, everything is relative in terms of the bottom line and what you pay him. But I, I, I kind of, I'm optimistic about the Braves' situation heading down. You know, five years down the line. Yeah, I think the Braves are definitely set up better than other teams, especially piggybacking off the fact that they had a really successful 2019. Because in this Forbes article that was written about the fact that the Braves, you know, are if the season is set to start in July, will will lose about sixty million dollars. They said, you know, the Braves profited just on as far as the the team goes. Uh, they profited about twenty four million dollars last year if you throw in the fact of the battery which you know liberty media owns and is kind of included in all of this they uh they earned a profit of about 54 million dollars last year so it's one of those yeah they're they're set up better off than many other teams and even with the fact i found it interesting even with the fact that they are set up to to make a loss just about you know, like many other major league teams are, they are still at least somewhat concerned about paying their employees for the time being, whereas many other teams are um, are going to be, you know, going with um, with Commissioner Manfred's ruling that that after May first, uh, you don't have to pay your uh, um, a lot of your staff. So I I think it's uh it's rather interesting that that you know. With what they've done in 2019, that they come into 2020 and aren't panicking and and maybe you know have some sort of a heart for the fact that hey we're all facing you know this this pandemic um, and so maybe don't freak out so quickly. Yeah, well, the one thing the Braves did do, Caleb, is that they were one of the first teams to come out and mm-hmm. actually say that they were going to pay their non-uniform workers, uh, part-time, full-time employees through the month of May. We now, of course, have from Ken Rosenthal, The Athletic, uh, saying that beginning on May 1st, teams are going to be allowed to start furloughing and uh, cutting the pay of some of their employees, too. And that includes uh, managers and coaches uh, at the major and minor league levels. And that's the part that I think has a lot of people somewhat uh, scared is the wrong word, but I guess fearful of, of what is to come. Uh, we've seen this in other industries. We've seen it in our industry. We've seen it, obviously, in the retail business. But uh, if it comes down to that, if we are so far off from a start of the season, a start of a season, that we get to a point where employees are being furloughed, then I'm fearful of, of whether or not there'd be a season because I feel like if they don't have furloughs. That tells me they feel optimistic that they're going to start at some point. 
Yeah, I was uh, <clears throat> I was listening to an uh, interview on CNBC like a month ago, probably. Uh, so kind of early on in this whole saga, with uh, t- they were talking to Scott Boris, and Scott Boris was saying that there's actually an incentive for these teams not to furlough, not to lay off workers, because when the season starts, the teams need to be able to be operational as quickly as possible. And you and you, I, I do get the sense that if you do start to see. Um, major numbers of furloughs like that coming that maybe that is a sign that the teams don't think they need to be uh operational as quickly as they do on the other hand you know i kind of get it like if you have scouts there's no baseball being played so like what is a scout doing you know like okay it's great to pay him but i totally understand from a business perspective like the the cost benefit of you know doing that kind of thing i think makes a ton of sense um, and hopefully in those cases, like with scouts and things like that, they would kind of be able to make their way and then be able to jump right back on board as soon as things start getting ramped up again. I, I think it's interesting kind of going back on what Caleb said a little bit ago, uh, about, you know, just kind of putting dates on things and thinking that hope, hoping that in a month, maybe things will be different. I don't know if you guys have done this. It is interesting to kind of go back over, like, I don't know if you've looked back at like what we were talking about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a month ago, it's amazing how quickly things change. And I do think that we will, in the next month, we're going to learn a lot more about not just the virus, but how it has actually impacted uh, this country. And and Major League Baseball has actually partnered with some researchers uh, at Stanford and USC to do blood tests to see how to see, um, check for antibodies within players, players' families, stadium employees. I think there will be 10,000 people who have their blood examined, and that will give a good sample from across the country to see how far the virus has actually spread and and infected people in different areas of the country. It's not going to be something that helps baseball speed up um, or helps the return of baseball speed up or helps kind of give clearance for players to go ahead and engage in activities or whatever. But I think it will be very helpful in allowing us to see one, the potency of the virus itself. And two, if, you know, we should be hoping that there are lots of people that, that have, you know, been infected and have this virus. And I think that would help speed things along. Do you feel better now, given the fact that we're in this pandemic about the way the Braves structured their off season and not too dis- not, not not too specifically not giving a bloated contract to Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I mean, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think it makes a ton of sense. Or, I mean, it's just it's it's kind of fortunate for them, right, that they decided to go that route. I mean, Hindsight's nobody, 2020. No, right. Yeah, nobody saw it coming at the time and I and I think there were a lot of people that were justifiably concerned about what happened there with that negotiation i was one of them yeah and especially that was before we saw a rejuvenated johan camargo and a, and a really good looking austin riley in spring training so i was definitely concerned about it too but now you look back on it and you think "Ooh, man thank god that the braves didn't do something like that and they're not going to be kind of because it was already kind of going to be a gamble based on the amount of years that were being talked about and now they're not worried about the years or the total outlay. So, yeah, it's kind of a perfect situation for the Braves to have landed themselves in. Well, the other thing that goes into, you know, paying for Josh Donaldson and, and the thing that sparked, you know, plenty of conversation 
between people who were who were watching the situation was the fact of Josh Donaldson's age. Um, you know, like that was a major concern because as you get older, your body breaks down. That's just that that's all there is to it. So now we're getting to a point where, yeah, you may not, um, you know, you may not, the twins may not have to pay for half of Josh Donaldson's, you know, contract this upcoming year, but you were anticipating that out of that brand new deal he was just given, this was going to be the best year of it. Mm -hmm. And so, so. yeah, and so, you know, now that the twins might only get half that deal, then, you know, you're not getting all of the value that you were intending on. So, of course, now Alex Anthopoulos looks like the smartest man in the room for the fact that, you know, he was willing to hold out and Josh Donaldson ended up in Minnesota. It's such an interesting dynamic to me. It's something that I feel like I personally, I get caught up talking a lot about uh, how contracts are going to play out in this kind of thing, whether it's baseball or whatever sport we're talking about. But there is definitely a thing where it's like, the passage of time chronologically in life is actually happening right now, even though a lot of these other parts of the game legally are frozen, but that doesn't stop, you know, players from getting a year older or, you know, all these things. And for some players, that's probably, it probably helps them that they kind of get this at a time. But for a lot of players, it's going to hurt them that they're not either getting development or they're not, uh, you know, like in Josh Donaldson's case, he's kind of losing some of the last years of his physical prime. And you do have to wonder also with regards to a guy who's had injury concerns like Donaldson, you know, if he hasn't been able to train the way he normally would to kind of keep his body in shape during this time, if that is going to have negative repercussions. Time is a flat circle, Joe. <laughs> It's messing with my head, man. It's crazy. I'm as a flat circle. I think it was Jacob Degrom who also said something similar to that. He said the fact that the fact that this uh, pandemic happens in the prime of his and other people's careers like that is uh, is rather fascinating. Uh, you mentioned I can't remember if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, Caleb, but the the Zach Wheeler thing. You know, Mike Trout has kind of come out in the same way because I think he also has a wife that's expecting sometime this fall. And the fact that he wouldn't be able to break away and attend the birth of, uh, of his child, I, I think offers in another element of why I don't think the model that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, the Grapefruit League and Cactus League model, I just too, – too much can happen – you mentioned the fact that time still goes on. You know, things things still happen. You know, people get sick and and family members get sick and and there are other or, things. You know, well, or, or houses get stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, or if Mike Trout does leave, because I don't know, just speaking speaking from personal experience, if my wife is pregnant and she's you know going into labor and about to have a child, I'm not staying with the team. Like I'm going. So if Mike Trout is quote you can, unquote. You can podcast on your phone with us. Yeah, from the hospital room. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if Mike Trout is quote unquote, you know, uh, being selfish by going to be with his wife, then he's stuck. You know, we're we're talking probably two weeks where he's got to be, um, you know, restart this whole process. The kind of thing that we talked about before. So it's just it's insane that a guy could, you know, because we've heard of guys going on maternity leave to be with their wives 
for like a game or two and and people want to call them selfish you know from from making that decision because it might not fit you know it might be in the playoffs or something and it's like sorry my life doesn't you know coincide with this this schedule that that was already set in place so it, yeah it's kind of wild that you would set up something where if a guy were to choose to be with his family he would be looked at as selfish and hurt his team in the same process but yeah and, and here's the here's the thing i think this is will be really interesting to kind of see how this unfolds over the course of time is is like let's say mike trout makes it perfectly open that he's going to be there for the birth of his child and even if there is the arizona biodome and if he leaves he's going to have to miss you know a month in terms of quarantining and all that stuff and he makes it open that he's going to do that angels probably still want to play the games you know because they're still going to want to be getting the revenues from the sponsors you know all these obligations that they have commercially it's going to be very interesting to see i wonder if you have a season like is or some sort of half season tournament whatever it ends up being without some of the top players because of these reasons and it's just like an agreed thing where it's like okay well we'll just play some more minor leaguers and at the end of the day i think when we look at this season we've talked about it on this podcast but people are going to look at it differently and people are not going to look at it whoever wins it if they're whatever competition it is people aren't going to look at that team as like the world series champion the way they would every other team you know it's going to be they're just going to be the winners of this different thing that happened this year i expressed this concern earlier i'm just i'm more concerned that it's going to look good like is it going to be good baseball like that's i think that's a, a genuine concern to have because it's it's not enough to just be back it's not enough to just be churning out content we've seen the nba struggle with this they're trying to have these you know horse tournaments and the 2k tournaments and they're all they're all hitting like wet blankets i mean that's that's the part of it that i i find most concerning is that if major league baseball does come back there's an inherent amount of pressure for the game to look good and you know with a layoff that's going to have to take place with these guys and, and the ramp up you know I, I don't know how they go out about ramping up to play if they have like a two-week exhibition season or something of that nature but that's of course an inherent risk because you you risk uh just as much of the season being uh lost because somebody else gets sick i almost feel like it'd be more uh fruitful for them to just start playing games as as quickly as they possibly can once they get the go-ahead but I think there is an inherent amount of pressure on the game to uh have this look good to have quality yeah Yeah, to maintain quality quality. and and no diminished quality and and I think that that's a genuine concern yeah go ahead Caleb well, I was, I was just going to add to, you know, to the idea that Joe was kind of throwing out there of a lot of stars, you know, if they do decide to just, you know, hey, we're not going to play because we don't find it to be safe. My mind went two different directions, which was one, you know, that conversation needs to be had behind closed doors between Major League Baseball and the Players Association, although unfortunately it most likely wouldn't. It would leak into the media. We would discuss it, and then something would come of it. But then the second thing is uh, the, you know, an idea of playing, you know, minor leaguers instead of major leaguers because some of those guys, you know, wouldn't or a lot of them wouldn't play. My mind goes to, you know, like the movie The Replacements, where you know there's going to be so many contract issues with those guys it you know we're not going to want to watch because what is the one of the biggest complaints about you know the difference between the NFL 
and all of these other spring leagues that pop up is people, you know, they they want the stars. They want the guys who are the best of the best. And, you know, there's a there's a reason why I can go up to Rome and pay three, four dollars for a ticket. And, you know, I can't do that when I go to Truist Park, um, you know, because of the the level of competition. You, you want that, um, you know, you want the best of the best. And if you're not going to get that, it's not worth it. Yeah, how, yeah, how, it, it, it's going to be an opportunity for the players. We're going to find out how much power they have in terms of not just their bargaining power uh, when we're talking about uh, kind of temporary CBA for the season, but just generally, you know, how willing is baseball to play if not all players or the players associated, you know, if there isn't like this very firm agreement between them that they all want to do this thing. Um, and that, that just popped another thought into my head is how do you even handle the minor leagues? Because if the major league teams are taking the risk and, and either doing it in a biodome fashion or without fans, you know, a lot of these minor league teams, they don't exactly operate with a very uh, favorable looking balance sheet. Yeah. How do they go about making a penny and, and not just from the player development standpoint, but but their own profitability standpoint? How, how do you structure that whole enterprise? Because that is uh, a whole other question that I don't even think has even been broached yet by anybody in Major League Baseball. Well, they, they struck a deal, I think we discussed before, the fact that all minor league players are going to get paid at least like a minimum base salary for yeah. for a select amount of time. But I, if I remember right, that runs up through like I think either May 1st or May 31st Yeah. where they, you know, they haven't been able to work at anything out beyond that because obviously we don't know anything. And now we're kind of facing that reality of, we're not going to, you know, nothing's going to be getting started. We're, we're hoping beginning of June, end of June, July, you know, we'll just keep extending the next month as it, as it, you know, gets closer. But if, if they don't work out a deal, I hope those minor league guys are, uh, are pinching their pennies because, you know, money's not coming anytime soon if that happens. What do you guys think about Ronald Acuna saying that he's going to play in the Venezuelan Winter League if the season's severely shortened or canceled? I love his passion, but that's, I think that that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't I too think much, it would be too much for I, you. First of all, I think it would be a broach of his contract. To, no, it's not. Is it not? No, I uh, um, I looked into this because I was I when I saw this I had I had somehow completely missed that this was being discussed. Um, the fact that that he could go down and play, uh, at least I I'm going off the the vetting that uh, David O'Brien, who you know writing for mm-hmm. the Athletic, what he reported was it's not a violation of his contract um, to play winter ball. Uh, the the issue is of course where he would decide to play winter ball, which would be Venezuela, which <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, there are better places to well, play. Well, yeah, Major League Baseball has like pro- prohibited players in the past because of obviously all the political, you know, stuff, you know, turmoil. We'll sure. use, you know, the very nice Venezuela word. has political turmoil. Yeah, right. <laughs> um well, and and Atlanta should be very familiar with this whether it's with the Braves, you know, Ender Enciarte, Ronald Acuña or whether it's Atlanta United with Joseph Martinez, like they're they're very familiar with the you know the the political and economic issues that are going on down there, 
Um, it's just the fact of if he would go down to play. Because when I first heard this, I was like, oh, yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. Ronald Acuna should go down to Venezuela and play, stay fresh, stay healthy, gets to play for his dad. You know, like this is this is a perfect <laughs> idea. And then it was like, wait, wait a minute. I forgot. Bogota is great in the month of December. I know. That's yeah. what I'm talking that, that, about. That's how I feel like if, if you want to kind of be, uh, you know, the – the poo-pooer of something like this is like what you're getting in between him and his in the relationship with his dad you know it's like you feel like the bad guy but uh yeah well so now the only way that this becomes a little murky is by the way i totally said bogota i meant caracas i'm sorry that was very dumb of me i'm so stupid come on oh come on <laughs> i you know my world capitals very well although i i i amalgamated the capital of peru with was... the capital of uh, venezuela i'm I was about to so say, stupid pl- please don't give me that geography test because i will fail it um but yeah w- when it comes to ronald acuna like my understanding is he's he's going down to venezuela either way whether it's to play or just to live while, you know, while players have this time off. So it it is interesting. It's it's almost kind of like, well, I guess since you're down there, uh, you know, <laughs> might as well stay fresh, but is he is he going down there? That that's uh the understanding that that David O'Brien was given apparently. He he tweeted that out that uh he tweeted that out on April 15th. Um, when when a responder said, what if he goes to Venezuela and can't leave? Uh, David O'Brien responded with, he's going to Venezuela regardless. It's where he spends the entire offseason this past winter. Uh, it's where his family is. So, so Never- that's interesting because I know that Atlanta United has come to an agreement with its players that they will all stay within yeah. the Atlanta area for whenever the season you know finally gets going or suddenly gets going. So that is interesting. It's never good when you look up the country's Wikipedia page and next to the terms president, vice president, legislature, it all has in parentheses, disputed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never good. Yeah. Um, did you guys watch The Last Dance? I did. No, I'm just not that big. Of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, of course. Just, I think every just, every sports fan on earth, I think, was watching it last night. Or at least in America was watching that last night. We're also was, so craving for anything. I'm about to end a friendship of mine because he still says that LeBron is better than Jordan, which I oh find completely nonsensical. You know, we had this we had this discussion last night because you threw that my way, and if there's any any one of us of the three of us who could swing the LeBron way, it would be me, I think, because I completely missed out on the Jordan era. Like I was not old enough to be able to to watch him. But you also have a brain. That's uh. fine. But I got to enjoy watching LeBron live. And right. so, you know, to see that and then to see I – th- I think it's one of those I also mix off the court into my opinions of a person. And, and that just comes from – that started before I got in the media, but especially when I became a media member that, you know, that weighed heavily on what I thought of a person, uh, you know, was how, how they talk to other people – and just how they act in general off the court or off the field or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what always swung my, you know, um, allegiance towards LeBron. So you're, so, you're, so you're holding Jordan being a jerk face against him is what you're telling me. Yeah, because, I mean, we we saw plenty of it, you know, just getting a little taste in the, in the documentary in the two hours uh, last night. But also, you know, the, the things that he said previously – 
Um, but I also I love his sneakers. So <laughs> I think it is it is interesting. There's obviously these big disparities between the eras, right? And a lot of that between Michael Jordan and LeBron is, you know, that that is conveyed through the way that they played, the and the amount of points they scored, how they scored them, that kind of thing. But I think there's also, to your point about kind of the off-field stuff, is that there wasn't as much activism from athletes in that time. And I think that the main mm-hmm. one of the big reason why is because of social media. Like they didn't yeah. have an outlet like current modern day athletes have to kind of speak their mind about things. And I think um, there's, there's also a financial element too, guys. I mean, because in the balance of time when Michael Jordan was playing in the NBA, that was probably the biggest escalation of the financial uh, benefits to yeah, being if, an athlete. If mm-hmm. I learned anything from that documentary last night, it was like, you can say whatever you want about, you know, Ronald Acuna getting raked over the coals and his $100 million contract, but imagine, you know, Scottie Pippen, just wow, the fact that that deal that he signed was just so minuscule, um, you know. Yeah, you, he, got, he got host. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Host. Like, that, that was mind-boggling that I... I love learning little things like that that I that I didn't know just because I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention like that. I you know was barely born. I was born during the middle of you know of the Bulls' reign. You know something I, that's funny to me. I was thinking about after watching that last night was the fact that like anybody who played video games growing up knows that like Michael Jordan wasn't in a lot of basketball video games. I think he had like roster his, roster player. Right, yeah, he had his own rights, so like his name was never involved, um, and it's amazing that he still was as big as he was. Obviously, like the biggest athlete in the world, uh, without kind of that aspect of it, and it's totally different than how like an agent or a manager would look at things now. Where now it's like give yourself as much exposure as possible. Never, yeah. you know, like you put yourself out there. Bonds, and, uh, Bonds did that too in Major yeah, League Baseball. Bonds right. was not part yep. of uh, Bonds. part of that. Well, I was about to say, and, and people make fun of, like, uh, uh, who is the soccer club who just recently did it? Like, they pulled themselves off of, of FIFA or one of the games. Yeah, I um, think uh, Boca Juniors is not on FIFA in Argentina. I'm sure there's probably a collection. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they signed their rights, like, with a different game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and, and, you know, and, and how many people made fun of them for that? You just, you can't imagine a single player doing that now. Crazy. I remember the first time that Jordan was available on the video game. It was after he retired. That that was like the legendary NBA Live game where like you put him in and he was a 99 basically and everything. So that that is uh, that's one thing I'll always remember. Anything else, uh, gentlemen? Uh, final thoughts. I'll start with you, Caleb. Um, hmm. still horribly going along with my guitar playing. That's just. I've I've learned to play a song yet, um, but still working at it. Nice. Um, other than that, just waiting for sports to get back and and a bit of normal life. Uh, excited for the NFL draft because that'll seem like a little bit of life returning to normal. But uh, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, the NFL you- draft's gonna be fun. I will actually be. Not in my apartment for once. I'll be in the studio, which will be exciting. Just oh. to be in the bullpen again is going to Dude, be 
Very, very I, fun. I totally forgot to tell you guys. I I was in the office on Friday. Really? I was in the office on Friday. I actually got to go to the office on Friday because we were having some technical issues. Uh, I guess like the cable went down. Oh, yeah, there was a the, power uh, outage yeah. in the in the area, and so like you couldn't they couldn't connect to the guys' home studios, and so uh, they called me in basically to be the the person to go on the air when the connection dropped down, and uh, it was very eerie being in uh, in the studio. It was basically me. Uh, our underboss, Sean Thompson, uh, Craig Carlos Valentino, our producer for Dukes and Bell, and then Jarvis Davis, who I'll be hosting NFL draft coverage with on Thursday night. It was uh, it was a very eerie feeling. Sounds thrilling just to be out. It was, I was great. To say, at least you had people around. I worked yeah. the shift running the board, uh, and it you know it's it's just you by yourself yeah. with no one to talk to. It's nuts. Oh, well, uh, we ask you again if you uh, follow us on Twitter at Willie P Style, at ATL Johnson 18, and at JA Patrick 200, and of course at 929 The Game uh, to ask questions. We will uh, answer them as best we can. Uh, I know that we don't have a lot of baseball to go off of, but we'll uh, we'll kind of get some more historical perspective on some of the stuff involving the Braves and continue to try and ride this period out without any live sports or live events. But we hope we've kept you entertained over the course of the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue to do so with the batter up podcast for caleb johnson joe patrick i'm will pelagic thank you so much for listening to batter up a 92.9 the game and radio.com sports exclusive okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.